Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. I am Jeff Fisher, one of the elders here, if you're visiting. And uh, the guy that was up here playing the bass, he's a third elder. And then Mike is our vocational elder who does most of the speaking. So I'm just up here today. Every once in a while, one of us other guys will, will speak. And uh, on the first Sunday of the month, we've been going through First Timothy. And so it's my turn to speak. And uh, so I will try to make it interesting. I know the children are up here today. And uh, so that makes it a little... Uh, challenging for some of you young. I kind of forget that at my age, but I remember, oh yeah. Um, So, and I'm not real sophisticated. I've been fighting a a sore throat, and my wife said, well, make sure you have some water. Okay, that's a good idea. And I thought, well, if I get a styrofoam cup and set it up here in communion and everything, it might get wiped out. So I was in the back, and uh, Sean is probably not Mr. Sophistication either, and we were thinking about he said, hey, I just threw away a Mountain Dew bottle that'll have a lid on it. So this is water, kids. This is water. This is not Diet Mountain Dew, but just in case I need something, I'll have something up here. But anyway, we, we've solved the problem. All right, today we are in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Timothy. Boy, I start off in the wrong book. We're in big trouble. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to get through verses 6 to 10. Uh, How many diet books, exercise books, self-health books do you have at home? Magazines included. How many, anybody that has none? Okay, we got a few. Uh, How many of you have ever checked out of a grocery store and not seen some new diet there by the cash register when you're we're checking out. Um, I titled today's message, Tim's Training. We're in Timothy, Tim's. And Paul alludes to a couple physical uh, uh, eating and exercise in these passages. So to try to make it interesting, I'll use those a little bit as an illustration. But realize what we're going over really is not addressed to you. It was addressed from Paul to Timothy. Now, it's in the Bible and it's truth. And we're going to try to apply it to us and uh, make it something that, that we can remember. So, and I always like to have something that maybe during the week you'll be meditating. You know, you said you're meditating on the verse or the, you like that music, that kind of thing where something just kind of sticks in your head and you know the Lord is working on something or talking to you about something. So uh, my three points today... Um, the first one is going to be point out, and I'll explain it later. But all of you got fingers? Point your finger at me. Okay? Remember that. Point out. That's the first point. Okay? Now, everybody take your hand and put it in front of you, down by your knee, and, and now you're a basketball player. You're going to start dribbling. You're practicing. You're getting better and better. You can even do it without looking now. Okay, you're practicing. Okay, we're going to be practicing in our Christian life today. And the last one, and I just threw the, is anybody in here is ever a, in track and field as a high school or anything? Anybody ever shot put? 
You did? Did you do shot put? Okay, well, I did too, you know. <laughs> the third point is put. So put your hand right here by your chin and throw the shot put to me. Put, okay? Uh, so in today's verses, Timothy, to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, has to learn to point out truth, practice godliness, and put his hope in God. Okay, so hopefully that'll help you remember uh, what we're going to be going over today. Uh, so if you're in your Bibles, and can we have the scripture up here? I didn't have a lot of time to coordinate things today, so. Okay, verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers, and again, this is Paul writing to Timothy. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and, and of good teaching that you have followed, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Um, so Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, this is how I want to tr you to treat the people of your church, of your congregation, of your group. Okay? And he says, I want you to point out these things. If you remember, Mike spoke last week, uh, in, if you got your Bibles open, you can look up in the couple verses ahead, that there were some people that were teaching, don't marry. If you want to be a good Christian, don't get married. There were other people that were teaching, if you want to be a good Christian, don't eat any dessert. Well, any certain kinds of foods. Uh, but that's what they were teaching. And so taking off on that, Paul is saying, point out, um, these things, point out falsehoods, point out things that are not true. But it's kind of, why does, why does our Bible use the word point out? Um, it actually is a word that's a little bit softer than a command. It means to suggest or put into mind or to counsel or advise somebody, point it out. But it's not point it out to them. Go along and help them. Help them to see why it's true, why it's right. Point it out to them. Uh, that's kind of what the word needs. And sometimes we as believers need to point out a little better. Come along and advise. Explain. You know, what you're doing is not right. Or maybe this would be better. And point out things to other people, other Christians. But you have to be very, very careful about this. Uh, and these verses tell us that Timothy, um, as he does his work and point out these truths, he would be a good minister. You know, we all of us Christians, and again, this, this letter is written to Timothy, but what we can take from this is we all have an obligation to each other to point out some things that need pointed out. I'll just put it that way. Now, it's not to jump on somebody's case, and it's not that you're in charge and everybody's going to listen to you, but we do have a responsibility to be aware of what's going on in other people's lives, and all of us at times have begun to have an attitude or an issue that's not quite right, and we need to be willing to help one another to get back to where we should be. And that's what he's telling Timothy here, to, to uh, point out these things, and he would be a good minister and we need to point things out to people. Um, and he says, 
that Timothy was brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that he had followed. The word brought up in verse 6 actually has its uh, root in food or nourishment. Food or nourishment. In fact, as some of the translations actually use the word feed or nourished rather than the word brought up. Uh, it is written a way to... to he, he was brought up, or we need to be feeding ourselves spiritually in a continual way to nourish our spiritual lives. A more literal translation of this verse would be continually nourishing yourself by means of words of the faith and of the good teaching which you have closely followed. Again, going back to my opening, how many books are there out there on diet and eating and how to take care of our how to nourish our bodies physically. Um, you know, the paleo diet, the keto diet, the beach, South Beach diet, the, well, all these things that have, have been going on. But this word is taking our mind from physical food, nourishing our physical body, to we need to be nourishing our spiritual lives and our bodies. Uh, we all struggle with eating the right number of fruits and vegetables and balancing the carbs and the proteins and the fats and finding a healthy diet. We have a questionnaire at work every day we have to fill out on our health. And, you know, how many servings of fruits and vegetables do you eat? A, I think it's a week. I don't know. Well, I can't lie. Mine's close to zero. But probably I get in one or two or three, but I just don't eat. I don't know why. I just don't. But anyway, um, that's not a good diet for our physical bodies, we have to make sure that in our spiritual lives, we are getting a good diet of spiritual food, of positive things in our life. Uh, Timothy must always feed his own mind, and we must feed our minds on a balanced diet of truth and good teachings. How can we set up our spiritual diet how we set up our spiritual diet to, is up to each of us. It cannot be a canned program that works for everyone. I was thinking about dieting physically. You know, there's not a diet that works for everybody. In the spiritual world, you know, we could say, okay, here's, here's your diet. You're up at 4 a.m., half hour Bible reading, 45 minutes of prayer, uh, Listen to this podcast today, answer these questions, and all of that is good. I am not putting down, if you have a good Bible study morning, every morning, that is great. But that might not work for somebody else. Maybe somebody else has to have their spiritual food in the evening. Maybe prayer is better after the kids have gone to bed and it's 11 o'clock at night and you can read your Bible and pray. Uh, I couldn't, I'd fall asleep. <laughs> I got to do my stuff in the morning. But you need to be thinking of the spiritual food going into your life. What are you putting in, and how does it work for you? How can you bring more spiritual or the right spiritual food into your life? Reading the Bible, praying. Uh, you know, I got thinking, I'm old-fashioned, but I got, oh, yeah, podcasts. I have listened to a podcast or two in my life. Maybe you're one that, okay, uh, you could listen to a good podcast while you're driving, or maybe you have a mindless part of your work where you're, you're free to listen to something while you do your work. 
pick up ways in your life that you can get nourished better in a spiritual way. And then how can we eliminate some of those sweets and desserts from our spiritual life? Uh, what should we do with the time that we, feed, that we use on the internet or the TV, radio, books, magazines? Um, not to say all that's no good, but there is a balance, just like in the physical world. I did have three pieces of oatmeal cake at Thanksgiving. That was probably bad. <laughs> but in our spiritual lives, a little oatmeal cake is okay, but it needs to be offset by a very good, balanced diet of spiritual food in our lives. And that's what he's, he, that word built up, nourished, fed. Uh, he wants he, Timothy to be nourishing his life with spiritual food. So I don't have an exact answer on how you do that, but I want to challenge you this, thing, this week. Think about how, how for me could that look? How for me could I add a little vegetables in my spiritual life? Uh, just something to think about. And then he goes on in these verses, and he says, Paul says, Hey, by the way, Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. I thought that was an interesting statement to have in our Bible, old wives' tales. What he's saying is, as a minister, um, don't get caught up in things that are either false, like don't get married or don't eat this kind of food that we read about in verses 2, 3, 4 of this chapter. Don't bother with those untruths and don't bother with the unimportant. Stick to the important things in your preaching and in your talk. And I got thinking that's something for us that we need to be careful with, that we don't get caught up in um, godless myths and old wives' tales. There's a lot of Christian teaching going on that almost borders on godless myths that it's hard to bring back to Scripture and support what they're telling us or what they're telling you or how they're, what they're saying. That becomes godless myths, and don't, don't go that way. Stick to scripture and good sound teaching that's coming straight from the Bible and can be supported by the Bible. So Paul's telling him, just Timothy, don't get caught up in these things. Um, so we need to be on the right spiritual food, and a part of that then is help pointing out to others, being accountable to others in our spiritual life as a body. The second part of this verse, uh, these verses here, Paul tells Timothy, uh, secondly, for Timothy to be a good minister, he must practice godliness. Um, have, train yourself to be godly. I use the word practice because it keeps my three Ps, but the word is train, and they're almost the same thing. So rather train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul uses the illustration of physical training to get us an understanding of spiritual training. Um, but he says in here, physical training is positive, but it has of little value. I was thinking, if you were walking across uh, in a public area and there was a $5 bill just laying there, that's probably enough you'd bend down and pick it up. I mean, $5 can get, I don't know, a penny if I would anymore. But 
$5 I would. Well, that's kind of like the physical exercise. Now, if I was walking across the street or somewhere in the public and there was a $1,000 bill on the ground, I, that would get you excited a little bit, you know. That's like training in godliness. It's far more valuable than physical training. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, you need to be training yourself um, in godless ways. In God, godly ways. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> What a difference a little letter can make, huh? Um, so, and in today's world, this idea of physical fitness is overblown. Uh, it is good. We should be con concerned about that. Because you think as Christians, let's say somehow you, you were out of your body. You didn't have a body. Well, maybe not even. Your body didn't function. How about that? Your body's just... Limp. What can you, how can you serve others as a Christian? You could probably pray. Is there anything else you could do without? So the physical body is important to us Christians. How do we go to people? How do we do things? How do we accomplish things? A lot of it is done in the physical world with your physical body, but it's the spiritual training that's more important. And we need to be, we need to be training ourselves spiritually. Uh, today's world, there's, there's a real temptation to idolize the care of our body and put too much focus on it. People spend so much time on physical conditioning that they actually neglect, neglect what is infinitely more valuable. Training in godliness is infinitely more valuable than physical training. Um, there are... There was a Christian man that uh, uh, Mindy actually told me about him, and I didn't have time to do a lot of looking up, but you talk about physical, physical training and spiritual training. Anybody know Victor Marks? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Sean might know him. You know him, Sean? Okay. Uh, okay, so he's a military, tough guy, self-defense, trains military dogs, uh, they, they showed a video, he, he was standing like this with a guy pointing a, this is just a demonstration, pointing a gun, and he could disarm that gun before the guy could shoot him. Can you imagine? So he has all this physical training. I mean, he's trained in everything. But you know what his ministry is, or one of them? He takes groups of tough guys, black jackets, army stuff, and goes into Syria, Iraq, and when he knows of people... Children, or especially uh, children that children and, and trafficked human human trafficking situations, he goes in and rescues them. I mean, in the middle of places where you could be in big trouble, but he has so much confidence in his training that he goes in and does that. And I thought, what a combination of okay, physical training is important, but spiritual training. Read about him, Victor Marx, and I want to read more about him. But uh, we ought to be using our spiritual training to help other people in, in many different ways. Um, so how's your spiritual training going? One guy that I read on the website, I like this, he's trying to combine physical and spiritual. As a Christian, he says, and so I am going to train well, like I want to honor God with my body. I'm going to train well, 
eat well, exercise well, and then, infinitely more important, I want to train for godliness. So is that true in our lives? Are we training? What are we training for? Are we training for the valuable and the and godless lives? The goal of training is really godliness. Training in godliness develops the whole man, body, mind, and spirit. Godliness means having the character and attitude of God. It is a worthy goal, much more worthy than the potential attainments of physical exercise. Spiritual development. Spiritual development and physical development share some similarities with each with each come with each growth only comes with exertion. If you want to grow in godliness, it's not always going to be nice and easy. How many have tried to exercise? How many have found the exercise plan that's nice and easy for physical exercise? Man, I love to do it. I could do it all day. This is so good. Uh, nobody's found that yet. Your spiritual life, your training in godliness, takes discipline. It takes time. It takes effort. For me, it takes habits. Uh, I'm a habit person. Some people can can get things done randomly, but I I need habits. So we need to be training in godliness. And then, okay, what is training in godliness? Here's some statements that you might think about. Items to consider when reviewing our training in godliness. Is our training in godliness evident in the way we pray? The way we dive into the word? Is it evident when it comes to fasting? When it comes to fostering community in the church, is our godliness evident in our church community? Is godliness evident in our love for one another, our caring for one another, our serving for one another? Is our training in godliness evident even when it comes to sharing the gospel? So in our lives, I'm not sure what that answer is for you, but you need to be training in godliness. You need to be growing in your godliness. You need to put effort, time, and energy into growing in, in your spiritual life, growing in godliness. Paul says training in godliness. Um, and he writes that to Timothy. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Holding promise. A promise is a reason to expect something, especially ground for expectation of success, improvement, or excellence. Training in godliness has benefits and promise for this life. Generally, as we live for the Lord, this life is a good life. Now, I'm not talking about riches and, you know, having everything you want. But as we live for the Lord and grow in godliness, this life is a good life. But it also, training in godliness, has the life to come. And how much greater that will be uh, as we work on our godliness. So for Timothy to be a good minister, he needs to be willing to point out and help others in their lives. He needs to be uh, training in godliness. And lastly, he is to put, put his hope in God. Uh, verse 9, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope 
in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. We have put our hope in God. Um, the, the word hope is like you did it once, but you also have a continuous expectation of more. And that kind of describes our Christian life. We put our hope in God, but we go through this process of continuing to keep our hope in God and put our, our hope in Him. And, and we rely on Him in the future, and we rely on Him now. One of the things that came to mind, if you go, uh, if you know in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, at the end it says, when perfection comes, won't that be nice when we're all perfected? When perfection comes, only three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. Hope will be with us forever. I don't quite understand that. When perfection comes, we'll still have, some, we'll still have hope. And hope is something that we can have in this life and is, is very, very uh, encouraging at times. When life is difficult and God might seem far away, and maybe this whole idea of training in godliness has just got you overwhelmed and I'm quitting. I'm, you know, it's just too much work, too much time, too much effort. Life is overwhelming. Remember to put your hope in God. Sometimes that's what gets us through, is just hope. Uh, you know, if you've ever been to the bedside of someone that's passing away and they're a Christian, often that's the, the biggest quality you see is hope. They have hope of heaven. You still staying behind have hope that you're going to get to heaven and see him again. We have hope. Hope is a great quality to hang on to. And so when life gets discouraging and people aren't so good to you and things are going bad, put your hope in God and just hang on to that hope. Um, and it's interesting that it's not hope in hope, 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 kind of like I hope. He says here, this is a trustworthy saying to put your hope in God. It deserves full acceptance to put our hope in God. Uh, this hope is worthy of the effort, he says in here, and for this we labor and strive. Paul and Timothy had spent their lives working to help others know what it means to put their hope in God. The words labor and strive, with these words, Paul's alluding back to that physical training-esque illustration, and we must labor and strive as we put our hope in God. Now, a lot of people in here have things they do here in the church or things outside the church with other church organizations. Sometimes those ministries, I'm going to call them, sometimes those service acts of service or working with others you do become labor. Sometimes it's striving. Uh, when, that, when you get into those places, put your hope in God that He is blessing you and blessing the people you're ministering to, no matter how hard it gets at sometimes, or how hard it, or so maybe sometimes it's discouraging. You know, you don't see any fruit of all this effort you're putting in. Hang in there because put your hope in God that He's going to take care of the outcome and the fruit and the benefits that are going to happen. You just keep striving and and laboring in your ministry you have. And lots of times you're in ministry and things are going good, you're seeing things happen, and, and it's something you like to do, and, and you're interested in it. That's the kind of ministry you should have. But sometimes, the way we serve the Lord, it does get 
laborious and hard, but we need to put our hope in God. And it, he is the living God. Interesting statement here at the end, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. He is the Savior of all men. Not that all men will be saved. Theologically, not all, you know, the, the road is narrow that leads to life and wide that leads to destruction. But it is possible, the potential is there, for all men to be saved through Jesus Christ. Like communion and the things we sang about today. That his death on the cross brings about the possibility that everybody can make it to heaven. Just a thought I'm, I'm having here now. If you have somebody that's not a believer, you know they're not a believer, you're praying for him, put your hope in God. Not in your prayers, not in them. Just put your hope in God. Keep praying for him. Keep talking to him. Keep loving on him. Put your hope in God that that person will, will become saved. So, this is a letter to Timothy, telling Timothy how to be a good minister. If we take this and try to put it to us, remember, point out things in your friends and Christian circles, things that need to be pointed out to people. If, they, if there's error there, point it out to them. Remember to practice your own godliness, however that looks in your life. How do you practice and increase in your godliness? And then finally, put your hope in God. Whatever situation you're in, however it's going today, put your hope in God. You can always have hope in Him in the future and in that heaven that's to come. And I think that's a great uh, encouragement we can have even in the worst of times, the hardest of times. Put your hope in God. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.